You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, I did some research for this. I always love when we do research for Sibling Talk. And I went back, not only on my phone, but I went on to iCloud and I searched the text messages that I have received. Specifically, I looked on January 6th of a year ago. And what I was looking for were people who had texted me asking that I stop the insurrection in uh, <laughs> Washington on the Capitol and tell them to go home. How and, many did you, know, you get? I got none. There weren't <laughs> any. And, oh, not a single one. And I looked like really hard. And I thought about this and I thought, wait a minute. Why didn't anybody text me and tell me to do that? And then it occurred to me that all of my friends and family know I couldn't do anything about that. I have no control. Those people don't report to me. So I thought, well, then why did they send all these texts to Mark Meadows? Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Who are Fox commentators, insiders in Trump world. His son and son, not son-in-law, his son, People who know him knew he could get them to go away. And so they sent them a text. What do you think? Have I proved this? Yeah. Well, maybe I was, uh, maybe it's also proof positive that it wasn't Antifa or Black Lives Matter either. Because oh, then you might have gotten a text. Who knows? I could have. They might have said, John, quick, we think there are a lot of liberal progressives storming the Capitol. <laughs> do, you, do you know any of them? <laughs> can you send out like a bat signal, put a something up in the sky and tell them, socialists, go home. <laughs> no. Because they clearly didn't think. And remember, by that night, uh, Laura Ingram was already reporting that there were probably Antifa in there somewhere. She knew that wasn't true. She was one of the ones writing plaintively to uh, Mark Meadows and saying, tell Trump, Donald Trump, he's got to get them out of there. He is destroying everything we've done. It's terrible. Exactly. It's not like she didn't say he's destroying the, uh, the country, the democracy, attacking the Citadel democracy. No, everything we've done, like this is going to be bad for us. The cynicism of these people is truly overwhelming. But one part did, you know, make me feel better, which is that they were as freaked out as we were. So, you know, I mean, at the time when it was happening, and I suppose we all could have assumed that everyone in the country was texting each other. We certainly were. Everyone I know was. But, um, you know, it could have been that they were texting each other and saying, like, you go, you know, you go, proud boys, and that's awesome, and look what's happening. But that's not what was happening, right? They were freaking out. And 
so at least we had that in common. Now, the reasons they were freaking out were a little different than the reasons we were freaking out. But nonetheless, um, it wasn't like they were cheering from the sidelines. I think the only guy cheering from the sidelines actually was Trump. It was. And, you know, at least the reporting, there's some shakiness on this. I want to show journalistic ethics is uh, that his son and his son's girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, were at the beginning of how bad it got. They were in the tent singing, singing Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, uh, and they were excited. But then even they seemed to figure out, ooh, this is not going well at all. But do you think it was the the optics of it? You know, like, wow, this is going to look bad for us. Like, whether, you know, um, Laura Ingrams really did speak the truth because it did look bad for them. And maybe they were also watching stations other than Fox. Maybe she was tuned in to CNN or MSNBC where, where the, you know, the commentators and journalists were like, wow, this is the end of democracy as we know it. Well, I, think I, I don't know any of yeah. that, but that makes sense, right? It's it's absolutely the optics. I, I'm going to be harsh here, but these people have never shown a deep commitment to principles, to values, to virtue, to democracy. Her, Laura's comment, and somebody else, I, I think maybe Sean Hannity made a similar one, was very much about, oh, this could spoil our reputation. What? Yeah. yeah. Are you out of your mind? Right. It's it, that self-centeredness. Now, the other thing I think that's interesting that we don't know yet is which lawmakers were texting Meadows no, and texting don't. all around. And it, what the first question I want to ask you is, why do you think that... Um, the committee is holding back those names. Is it like professional courtesy or are they telling those guys behind the scenes, you dudes better get your act together, you know, negotiating with them as it were, like you're going to come in and talk to us because it's a deliberate choice on their part, on Lynn Cheney's part to not release those names. I think so. And I, I'm suspect in the age of Lauren Boebert, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of these, whether there's anything like professional courtesy left. Maybe there is. Maybe the people on this committee are that kind of uh, stand-up people. But I just kind of feel like it's more sitting them down uh, someplace and saying, listen, I mean, I don't want to disclose here on the podcast just exactly who that was. But let's just say, Congressman J.J. from Ohio, we need to talk because yeah. people like him are certainly on that list. Has to be in Gosar. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised that there's some senators involved, meaning Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. So if you, you know, you got any of those people involved, maybe they think, go ahead, give my name on. I don't care. It gives me more street cred. But from the, um, the committee's perspective, they would be some of the top witnesses 
when the hearings go public, which I heard today, um, Benning Thompson has said um, by the end of the first quarter, which would be March, public hearings. Yeah, you're going to be yeah. disappointed by that, John, because you're going to be working. But, uh, but, thank you. With, yeah, good. with your schedule. But, you know, the interesting thing is, too, that they're talking about trying to do them in prime time, which which helps you because you're a hour ahead. But, Ooh, you know, like, yeah. what if they start at, like, 3 o'clock and they run until 8? Oh, I could do that. I yeah. got to I need to drop them a note about that. Listen, interesting thing. <laughs> Last night, uh, my partner, Pam, my beloved partner, uh, she went down to watch the news. And she's willing to do some things that I'm not. For instance, she turned on Fox News to see what the... Because Fox News is really up to their ankles in uh, this whole story about the text. You know, they need to explain some of that. Fox News uh, was covering wall to wall that Black Lives Matter had raised numbers. And the woman who used to be the head of it, she hasn't been since April, bought houses. Now, the fact is, no, she didn't buy it from Black Lives Matter houses. And actually, the Black Lives Matter people were disconcerted at her show of... Uh, excess consumerism the point is not really that story it's that they've run out of steam fox has on the christmas tree story and so they will talk about anything except these texts yeah i mean and they are not even taking um calls from other journalists on it so I think they'd be better off to just get out there and say listen we had a contact with trump and with Meadows, and we use that to try to save the country. You know, like, why not play it as a, um, a patriotic move? I don't understand what their shame is. This is the thing I don't understand about these folks. If you think you're doing something wrong, that's when you hide. If you don't think it was wrong, then, you know, say it loud, say it proud. I, I just, to me, that's kind of a puzzle, um, their, their reaction to that. Because in a sense, they did the right thing. It's not like Ari Melbourne is going to be able to get through to Mark Meadows. But I did hear one of the reporters, the, I think he's with, um, oh, what's that outlet? I forget. And he did try to call Meadows, and he knows him, right? He's just a straight-up reporter. And Meadows did not respond. So to the the Fox people's, you know, credit, they could get through, and Meadows was probably listening to them. And in what they were saying was true, regardless of their motivation, which is that Trump, <clears throat> this has kind of gotten lost in the whole thing, even Don Jr. was right. Trump needed to lead. He needed to make an address from the Oval Office. He needed to say, stop it. This is not what I meant. And if Trump had done that and been able to do that, he would have helped. He would have burnished his reputation. Rather than right now, we're in a place where I think it's pretty obvious to everyone except maybe 60% of the Republican Party that Trump was just up to his ass and alligators on this thing. 
And ultimately what motivated him, I think, was he just didn't want to lose power, right? He wanted to stay president. And he thought all this stuff was going to work to help him do that. He doesn't look better. He would have looked better if in the first half hour he would have said, whoa, 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 guys, this is not what I meant. I'm so sorry. You know how I exaggerate. <laughs> you know, that's all he would have Joan, to say. <laughs> what do they say all the time? Uh, take me seriously, but don't take me literally. Exactly. Or something like that, right? And then he could have, but I think Trump knows and understands his base well enough to understand that if he had done that, John, he, those folks would have been really mad at him. They would have said, hey, we came here, you know, we put ourselves in a line. We dressed up in all these crazy costumes. We brought, we bought our Trump flag. And now you're telling us not to do what we thought we came here to do. And he knew that that wasn't going to play well with these people that he needs or he believes he needs for his, you know, his power grab. I, I think that's true. I'm going to add one more part. It could be that he was afraid of offending his base. I agree with all that. The other possibility for Donald Trump is he thought this whole thing was going to work. Oh, he yeah. thought at the end of the day, uh, somehow, whether it was Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, or it was Mike Pence, or it was the overall pressure, whatever it was, he was going to stop uh, the, it's not even a certification, the affirmation of uh, of the election, and it was going to throw back. The states were going to come in. Essentially, the John Eastman plan was going to work, and Donald Trump was still going to be president. And if people uh, were upset and didn't like that, tough, because the people who counted would all say, that was great. That was not a violent insurrection. That was real patriots going and uh, doing, what did Rudy call it? Uh, trial by combat, something like, like that. I think that's what Donald Trump believed. No, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, those, those two things combined, but I think the way you said that was really right because I think everything leading up to it would tell us that he thought if it plays itself out, by the end of the day, either there'll be so much chaos it'll have to be thrown back to the House of Representatives to make the decision, or the pressure will get on Pence, so he'll make the decision. What you know, whatever crazy way he thought it was going to happen, I don't. I bet that he didn't think they'd come back in and vote to certify Biden. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was a surprise to him after everything that had happened. So I think you're right about that, um, which is just all the more, not just disgusting, but frightening because the gaslighting that's gone on after, um, you know, January 6th, the Republicans saying, oh, it's just a tourist visit. You know, that was starting to seep into, you know, the consciousness of Americans. What's interesting about, and I know we have to go, so this is my final thought, but it's interesting about the Meadows um, text is it brings us back to a reality. And I think even people who were swaying like, oh, it's not a big deal, why do people care, are starting to say, wow, that was really bad. <laughs> like what, what happened and what they were trying to do. Because what I think we need 
as real patriots is for people to not think, oh, it wasn't a big deal. We have to continue to remember it was a big deal. It was. Uh, and I'll conclude with uh, the other thing I did find in my research, not only on January 6th, but on uh, some other days. An awful lot of people text me asking me to stop making stupid jokes on Facebook, in particular puns. Which oh, they, I think which that's I, your signature, John. I wouldn't I do think that. So. I, I think it's kind of harsh. You know, and it just, it kind of concerned me that it was pretty much all family members. <laughs> now that's a different kind of sibling talking. <laughs> yeah, talk to you later. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.